talking with Danielle Morgan about her new EP, which is a four-track EP. It's called Lockdown. It was recorded during the lockdown. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, you've been busy, haven't you, through lockdown with this new EP of yours? I have been busy. Very lucky, really. Before we talk about that, let's start off by asking you about how you got into the music business in the first place. You started at a very young age, didn't you? I did, yeah. I, was, um, I got into amateur dramatics and musical theatre and I was lucky enough to um, audition for the Brit School over in Selhurst, Crystal Palace. And then from there, I just sort of, um, as you do, you just sort of find your way. Um, and then one, one thing leads to another and you just find yourself in a place of creativity. So, um, yeah, I was really lucky. How long were you in the Brit School for? So I was in the Brit School for two years. I went in at uh, 16 and I left at 18. Um, and then I did a couple of years in the industry. I went over to Nashville. I did some recording. But as you know, Ian, the industry at the best of times is difficult. So when you're sort of writing your own music and you're not doing what the pop industry wants, it was quite difficult for me. Although there was lots of opportunity, I got I got disheartened. I didn't want an 18-month career. I wanted 18 years. So um, after a while, I took a step back and sort of changed career. Yeah, sure. And then after that, of course, you, you went out to Dubai, didn't you? Tell us about that. I did. So an opportunity came for me to go over to Dubai. Um, and I'd always loved fronting bands and singing. And for a contact for a contact, an opportunity came for me to audition for John Merrigan's band. And at the time, I was in another band. And I walked in this day, and I didn't know any of the songs or anything. But I just loved the vibe. I just loved what John was trying to do. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. So um, after six weeks of me not knowing if I'd passed the audition, I eventually plucked up the courage to say, look, am I in? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 you're in. So there you go. You know, they've got quite a high standard over there of, of bands and music, haven't they? So They do. I mean, we were really lucky. The, the, the band, most of the band that, um, that we was with over in Dubai, we've recorded with since, um, and we've recorded in Abbey Road with them, and, and some of them are actually in the band because they've moved back to the UK. So, yeah, we were really lucky. We headlined some massive gigs over there. And, yeah, and then when we come back, it, was, it made sense to keep those musicians and those friends the same. So we just continued, but with our own stuff. Yeah, I'll ask you shortly about your EP um, at Abbey Road. It was called The Session, wasn't it? That'd be great. That was a track from that session debut EP from you, wasn't it? 2016. That must have been an exciting time for you to be in uh, Abbey Road. It was very exciting. And, and, you know, I still couldn't quite believe that we were there. It was history. You know, you, you walk along the corridors and, and the walls and everything. And, and it is like being in a museum. And it's a different... Everyone speaks about Abbey Road. And they always say, oh, you know, you feel this. and But until you've been in there, it's, um, it's a unique, weird in a positive way, experience. There's, there's certainly a lot of ghosts in the walls. Yeah, I bet there is. Uh, did you sign the wall? No, I didn't. You know, I, 
I didn't, and the reason I didn't, and nor did any of the band, and that was obviously their own personal choice, we didn't sign the wall outside or there's a wall inside. I just felt that, for me, the Abbey Road experience was a test, and I wasn't sure at that point, you know, we'd, we'd gone from being a good commercial band, but we hadn't been writing our own stuff. So to go to Abbey Road and record your first EP and walk out owning your masters was quite something. And not writing on the wall was an opportunity for me to go back to Abbey Road once I'd earned my stripes, if the music took off in the direction it did. And if it didn't, then, you know, it was just a nice story to tell your grandchildren. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was just to make me a little bit hungry. I didn't feel worthy, to be honest to be recording at Abbey Road. Um, so that's why I didn't write my name on the wall. Well, I'm sure that your future going the way it is. I'm sure you'll be back there and uh, we'll finally get your name on that wall, I think. Please, God, we will, yeah. <laughs> now, you've worked with the highly credited LA producer, The Real John Smith, haven't you? I did, yeah. Uh, I found John, funny enough, on social media. Um, or should I say he found me, it was at a point where we was experimenting with, you know, will we take this to the next level? Will anyone want to work with us? And so a few producers approached us because they'd heard the, the SoundCloud link. And from there, John got in touch. We had a call over Skype backwards and forwards. And eventually we built up a rapport. And we, you know, myself and, and John Merrigan and, and the real John Smith said, yeah, come on, let's do something. And... Um, and let's see. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Now, you've you've composed over 70 original songs with your co-writer, who's now your husband, of course, John Merrigan. How do you get on together in the studio? <laughs> do you take that home with you? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we do, um, because John is a fabulous musician, and, and John can hear so much more than what I can hear. He will know instantly if something's going to work or not, and I get frustrated because I can't express what I'm trying to hear. So, um, but John's very, very calm. I mean, there was one quick story when we was in Abbey Road. We did the song No Trace of You, and I must have been in the recording booth three hours, I'd say, doing this same song. Bear in mind, we're used to doing three-hour gigs non-stop. I was really getting frustrated, but when I came out, it was like Big Brother. You got the big screen. I'm in the vocal booth, and everyone's in the the studio bit. And um, I come out, and everyone's like, "Oh, that was really great, and well done." I was like, "Oh, cheers, cheers, cheers." And John was like, "I wasn't feeling that." And I said, "Sorry." He said, "I wasn't feeling that." And I said, "Is it is this a joke?" And he went, "Nope, I wasn't feeling it. You'll have to do it again." I said, "What bit wasn't you feeling?" He said, "All of it." So I was really, let's just say, um, unhappy, and I went back into the recording booth and did it in one take um, because I was so angry, and that's what he wanted. He wanted that angry vibe, and the vocal I did before was very musical theatre. So, um, so yeah, I had to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, the last time I, uh, I met up with you in the studio was you were heavily pregnant then, weren't you? I was. He doesn't let me have any time off the end. Pregnant, Christmas. Yeah, so the baby now is nearly, well, she's free. It, it's, gone, it's gone quick. 
so um, and she just comes to the studio with us and you know she tags along and um, so yeah but obviously you know the creativity can't stop so um, yeah so John will crack the whip Wow. John's the manager of the band. <laughs> now you've got John, of course, he, he's the, the drummer in the band. And he's a drummer and he also co-writes everything with me and casts his eye over everything. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great team effort as well. You know, we've got all the band involved um, and it's a great, great whole team thing that everyone chucks their ideas in. We come up with something, you know, quite unique and and very special. Yeah, and for those that don't know um, Danielle's band, uh, they've got David Barber on guitar, Peter Rutherford is the bass guitarist, Andrew Daskopopoulos, I hope I said that right, keyboards, yeah. and Lucy D back in vocals with uh, Rob McCann, the harmonica player. Good team there. Yeah, I mean, introducing Rob on the harmonica, we always wanted, you know, like a sort of brass sound. And to get them on synths, you know, it, it doesn't always work. And Rob's a phenomenal musician. So, you know, we'd been gigging and we'd see him jam and stuff. And then when he came on board, it gives everything such a warmth. And, you know, and then with Lucy on backing vocals, it just makes everything just easy on the ear, really easy on the ear. So it's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely um, uh, mix of musicians. But as I say, all the other musicians we've worked with in the past, some of them are on the tracks. Nobody, nobody's on the subspence, do you know what I mean? It's just who, whoever's around, whoever can make gigs, Whoever can make the recordings, um, you know, we're a bit like Earth, Wind and Fire. There's loads of us. But, you know, who can get to a gig, that's completely different to, you know, who, who you can um, get to a studio or whatever. Because obviously people have got other commitments. So it's, um, it's a, very much a team effort. Yeah, now in between the lockdowns, I guess, was it last July, the, the release of your the EP, The Faces of Daniel Morgan? Yes, I believe it was, yeah. And how did that do commercially? We were really lucky with that commercially. It's um, it's been a long time coming, but you know people were waiting for that, and we wanted to get an album out. But due to you know COVID and time restrictions and everything else, it just wasn't possible. So the we had the songs mixed and, and you know radio ready. So it was taken to put them out as a, you know forced tracks on an EP, and then you know we can build up, hoping that the, the virus would have gone. But then we found ourselves still in that position. So, well, you know, what, what else can we do, et cetera, et cetera. So just like everybody, I think we were just hoping and adjusting and hoping and adjusting. And, you know, we're just, just playing it along, like everyone, hoping for things to turn. So, yeah, so we're still in lockdown, still, still creating. And, and that's how we come up with the, you know, the recent EP. Yeah. Also, I will bring up the story of Love in the Harbour, which uh, you co-wrote together. Tell us all about that, please. So that was pure accident, really. We ended up writing for musical theatre. Um, myself and John were doing what we call our mainstream music. Um, we did a, a radio slot in Brighton, like a gig. There happened to be a chap in the audience called Eddie Alford, who's a really well-known playwright. And he approached us and we had a chat and he said, I don't suppose you could put any music to this. So me was like, yeah, of course you can. How hard can it be? Oh, it was really hard. I completely underestimated it. And then we ended up finding ourselves, you know, on a UK and Ireland tour and myself and John actually performing in the show with a live orchestra. So it just went from one little sort of spark of an idea to a massive tour. So um, again, sliding door moments and being very lucky, I guess. And just tell us about the story itself. What, what is it about, Daniel? So the story is basically an Irish 
story, if you like, based on two RAF pilots. They were Irish, but they were fighting for the British. They didn't get the recognition in Britain, and they didn't get the recognition in Ireland. So Eddie felt that it was an incredible story to tell of these real-life heroes from World War One, and that their story needed to be told. And then what Eddie's done, he's taken 90% fact, and then he's mixed in a love, like a fictional love story. And that's where John and I come in then with the music um, and the songs. And it started off just basically as a play with a little bit of music. And then it went to more play, more music, and then it was sort of half and half. And then we went to music, actors, orchestration, and a narrator called Roddy Clare, who's actually Irish, and that all came together. So um, we had it in the Festival of Chichester, we had it in Brighton, we, you know, we toured it for a while, and then, you know, you start off small, and then we were going to the bigger theatres. We started off in Bognor Regis, the Alexander Theatre, and we played two nights there to four houses, um, and then we were going on, and then overnight, you know, the virus hit, closed, and everything stopped, and then it was like, well, what do we do? So John worked his backside off and put it onto radio. So he, he, take, he took a two-hour musical drama and put it into 54 minutes for radio, like, a bit like The Archers. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're just, I, I think, like everybody, this is a weird period of time, and everybody's just trying to find things to do in terms of adjusting to keep the arts going, you know, be it lockdown music, be it videos, be it musical theatre, whatever. So, so the story of Love in the Harbour for us has really kept us going, along with our mainstream music. So, um, so we've been very, very lucky. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, once the lockdown's over, you can get back on track with that and maybe a tour of the UK with it. You never know, do you? Absolutely. So all the theatres that were booked for um, the UK and Ireland, they're, they're all still there. Um, and obviously, when it's you know ready, when we can go back, be it in 2022, whatever it's probably going to be, then we'll just get back on where we left, really. So, uh, But the whole world is in that same position. So it's, um, I think the arts is going to be very busy and people will be really hungry um, to get out to live entertainment when, when this is all over. Yeah, I, I think that as well. Hopefully we can make up lost ground on that. Now, we opened um, the podcast with uh, one of your tracks from your new EP, which was um, released on the 4th of December, I'm Coming Home. We're going to finish off with Selfish Girl playing out, um, but we will drop one in here, which is uh, Right or Wrong, which has got a sort of a reggae flavour to it, hasn't it? They're all very different in styles, Danielle. Which are you most happiest with? To be honest, I, I like Right or Wrong, and I'll tell you why. We wrote that song very quickly. In fact, the guitarist, David Barber, was giving me a guitar lesson and I was asking for, you know, just give me some chords. And he ended up doing some chords and between him, myself and John, we wrote that in about 10 minutes. But we had six different versions of that song. We went from a pop song to a country song to a sort of blues. And then this day, we just couldn't find the correct drum beat. We couldn't find the vibe. And then John started playing a reggae beat and we're like that's it and then Dave was doing chops with country twists to it and then we all felt really good you know especially over lockdown we was like this is going to lift everybody up this is really you know making you want to be out in the sunshine and it just makes us feel really good so I think for that reason that's definitely my favourite
Thanks very much for having a chat with us about your new stuff and also about your life. Thank you, Danielle Morgan. Oh, thank you, Ian, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again and, um, and having a chat. Thanks again, Ian.